Hey everybody, come on in. It's time. It's time for a coffee with Scott Adams. The best part of the day, possibly the best part of your week, until tomorrow. And it's going to be a burner. Oh yeah, it's going to be a good one. I don't know why yet, but I just feel it. I feel like everything's going to start going right after today. Everything's looking up. I hope you're not worried about anything in the world because the world is going to be fine. It always is. But first, we're going to have something I like to call the simultaneous sip to make things even better. And all you need to join in with the simultaneous sip is a cup or a mug or a glass, a tanker, chalice or stein, a canteen, jug or flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure, the dopamine hit of the day, the thing that makes everything better, including the coronavirus, the economy, racism, you name it, everything. UFOs too, that's correct. Go. Speaking of UFOs, my prediction is that we do not have in our possession any UFO material. So I hope I'm wrong, because wouldn't it be cool if we did? But I'm going to say that all of our looking for UFOs will produce nothing but mysteries about what we saw in the air. There will not be any discovery now or later that we have in our possession alien technology. As much as I would like that. Are you watching the limited coverage of the Seattle slash Portland protest slash riots? There's something I noticed in the last bunch of uh, videos. Now, you'll only see these videos for the most part. I think you'll only see them on the Internet. So if you're on Twitter, you've probably seen some coverage of the police trying to roll up the protesters, and etc. Fire is being set. It doesn't look super bad. You know, a few fires yesterday. Of course, it would be bad if it's your place that's on fire. But relatively... Small numbers, but here's what I noticed. In all of the footage I saw from Portland and Seattle from last night's action, I didn't see any black people. (laughs) What happened to the black people? It's a Black Lives Matter protest, allegedly. And at least all the video I saw was just the police beating up uh, Antifa white people. Did, Did the black people say, all right, we're done now? Or are they at a different protest? Or are they not going to the ones that turn into riots because it's the Antifa people who start the riots? Is that why? I mean, what's going on here exactly? But I I don't know what these protest-slash-riots are in Seattle and Portland if they don't include black people uh, because I thought Black Lives Matter was sort of the point. Anyway, it could be just the selective videos that I saw, so I won't make too much of that. What about Kanye? Kanye said uh, one of the reasons he was, wants to run for president is so Biden will lose. <laughs> That's kind of frank. Here's what I think Kanye could do. I don't think he will do, but what he could do. Imagine, if you will, Kanye just runs for president in the normal way, you know, even if it says a write-in. Um, 
what happens? Well, he just splits the vote, and predictably it would uh, allow Trump to be elected. But is that what he wants? Because all, all that would do is change who wins without any leverage on who won. In other words, it wouldn't, it wouldn't really give any power to black people who wanted to get anything done. Here's what Kanye could do if he wanted to run the whole country without, without the bother of being president. Because being president is kind of a pain, and I think Kanye would be wasted in a job that's mostly meetings. Do you want Kanye to be in a job that's meetings? Hey, Kanye, you got to go cut a ribbon. you got to meet a head of state for no real reason except we do it once in a while. It would be a complete waste of Kanye's talents, I think. But what he could do is start an endorsement party, a party of people who simply say that they will look to Kanye for, um, to sort out who would vote, or for, to let Kanye basically endorse one of the candidates for president, not just this year, but in future races. So that you'd have a, let's say, a group of, maybe you could get 5% of the public. I don't know if he could, but let's say Kanye could get five, let's say 10% of the public to say, I will, I will look to Kanye for his endorsement. And you could imagine that his endorsement would be based on who he thought could do the best job for not just the black community, but for people in need in general, which would end up being the same. Because if you took care of people in general, the neediest, you end up being a far bigger impact on those in most need. So Kanye could be a kingmaker. He just has to not run for president. Maybe, maybe you could do that too, but he, you know, the, the real win would be for Kanye to say, look, Democrats, what do you got? Republicans, what do you got? Just tell me what you got. Tell me what you're going to do, and I will just look at them, and I'll say, okay, this package looks better than this package. I think you should vote for this guy. You're not, you're not, obviously not bound to it. It would just be an endorsement. But given the closeness of our national elections, and given that a 5 or 10% swing, especially in the closed states, is all the difference between winning and losing, a third-party endorsement party would actually run the country. And that, this is completely practical. Completely. All Kanye would have to do is say that's what he's doing. And he'd say, look, uh, I'm going to be the birthday party, and the birthday party is an endorsement party. At the you know, week before the election, I'll tell you who I think you should vote for. So, so he said, uh, Kanye is a Russian stooge, somebody says. You know, that one of the great things about Kanye, and there are a lot of great things about him, is... Uh, that you don't have to wonder what his motivation is. You don't really wonder what Kanye's motivation is, do you? I mean, it seems like he's right out there. He's not doing it for money, obviously. I don't think he's doing it for his reputation, because look at the trouble it's causing. Nobody would do this just for their reputation. Um, I don't think he does it because he's bipolar. (laughs) Somebody's saying because he's insane. No, I don't think he's doing it because he's bipolar. And uh, I would... I think I would um, take Kim Kardashian's view of it, which I do, which is the thing that makes Kanye Kanye 
is inseparable from whatever you know the bipolar thing is, and I'm not sure that that's you know diagnosed correctly because there's just a lot of gray area in that world. But that's who he is, and he's being completely transparent about it. I do think that it may give him um, periods of you know thinking he can do things that other people can't do. But here's the thing. What exactly is it that Kanye can't do? <laughs> if you had, let's say you had a mental condition <clears throat> that made you think you could fly, but then you flapped your arms and you flew, are you still crazy? Right? Because that's Kanye's life. Here at Kanye, uh, you know, little, little kid Kanye, what are you going to be when you grow up? Oh, I think I'll be a famous, famous uh, hip-hop musical artist and a fashion designer. And what would you say to 12-year-old Kanye? You would have said, um, maybe we should have somebody look at that because that sounds a little bipolar to me because, you know, you don't grow up to be, you know, a superstar in two different fields. And then Kanye became a superstar in two different fields, at least. You know, probably more if you added it up. So is it bipolar if you can do it, Right? Because part of the bipolar thing is that you, you get kind of full of yourself and you, know, uh, you think that everything's easier and possible, and then you go through phases where it may be less so. But if somebody goes through a phase where they think the impossible is possible, and then they go do it, are they crazy? I don't know. feels like maybe that's just somebody who can see the future. It's sort of, sort of weird. All right. Um... The Coalition of Ten Teachers Unions and the Democratic Socialists of America just put out a list of demands, according to a tweet I saw. So here are some of the things that the teachers unions are demanding. They want to ban new charter schools and ban private school choice. Now, what kind of union gets a say over its competition? (laughs) In what world... Do we want a union to get to decide what their competition does? These are just different businesses. What does the public school union have to do with a new charter school or a new private school? Why do they get any say about that? How how is that any of their business? That's just their competition. The fact that they even have the, the balls to put out a statement about what the American public can do with its own money, you know, meaning that if we wanted to be funding some of these private options, uh, I don't think that's the business of a union, what people do when they're not doing something with your business. Um, so that's way over the line. And, of course, they want more money. Everybody wants more money. And police-free schools. Do you know how you can have a police-free school? I would recommend a charter school or a private school because public schools, probably you're not going to get there. Uh, so I would say again that until we get to the point where we understand that the teachers' unions are the source of all systemic racism, now when I say the source, I don't mean the cause. Because I would agree that the cause is this legacy of slavery and all the the ripple effect. But as I've said before, the school system is the equalizer. If you get the school system right, 
meaning that everybody's got a fair shot at a good education, then you've at least, you've at least said, here's a path with the very least amount of racism that, that you could experience. You just have to succeed. And then racism will still exist. You can't get rid of the way people think. We're just tuned that way. But you can make it a non-issue in your life. And I like to use Oprah as my example. I doubt Oprah has a lot of racism problems in her daily life. And if she does, she probably cries herself to sleep in a big bag of money and it doesn't hurt so much. So you can't make all your problems go away, but you can make them hurt less. Um, So I was wondering if we should select our presidents not based on votes, but by some kind of uh, scientific study of how many hoaxes they believed. Do you realize how many hoaxes our politicians act like they believe or do believe? It's hard to know because they could be lying. But at the moment, uh, Biden is... Biden is tweeting that uh, President Trump ordered a slowdown on testing for the coronavirus. Now, the president did joke about that in the context of, well, if we weren't testing so much, you know, you wouldn't find so much of it, and then I wouldn't look so bad, so maybe I'll tell him to slow down. Now, that was obviously a joke, and when his, all the people who do the testing or are involved with it were asked, they said, no, nobody asked us to slow down testing. That's ridiculous. But Biden puts it out there like it's real. He still puts out the fine people hoax like he's the last person in the world who still thinks that's true, although a lot of Democrats still do. Um, He's saying that President Trump on the coronavirus, quote, ignored the experts from day one. That's literally the opposite of even what his critics say, right? Because Trump basically was right down the middle with with the experts all the way. The only time that I've claimed that he didn't follow the experts, my critics claim I'm wrong and that he followed the experts that time too, which was closing China. So I'd I'd said, because the president said, that experts had advised against it. Other people who seem to have better information than I do claim the opposite. The experts were not against it. So that would mean that the president was actually compatible with the experts from day one. I, and still is, right? Because you do get to a point where it's not a question of the experts um, you know, all being on one side. It's more like nobody can tell. Is it better to open up the, the businesses? Should we test it? Should you try it in some states or not? These, these are not science questions as much as art and guessing and having a system where you can adjust if you guess wrong, which we have. We have a, a system of quickly monitoring and adjusting It's working. It's working. Um, So between the Russia collusion hoax, the fine people hoax, the slowdown on testing hoax, the ignored the experts from day one hoax, Biden basically doesn't believe a single thing that actually happened. He's he's living in a completely artificially constructed world. Um, Speaking of that, there was a a provocative article in... uh, Human Events, I think, by Jane Coleman, called The Specter of Systemic Racism. And she compared it to um, the Salem Witch Trials, meaning that, in, in her opinion, the Salem Witch Trials were a mass hysteria, very much like, in her opinion, the uh, systemic racism. Now, her argument is that systemic racism can't be uh, observed or measured 
You just can't find any. So that it would be a hoax, just like finding a witch. You think you see it all the time, but when you actually dig down, there's, there's no witch there, and there's no systemic racism. I would disagree with this point of view. And I would say this is, I've evolved to this current position, which is that whether systemic racism exists or doesn't isn't entirely a function of how you define it. So you can define it in the way it exists, or you could define it in a way that doesn't. And the way it does exist, for sure, is that the people who have money are kind of locked in and they, they have a system which makes it a little bit harder for people at the bottom to get up to the top. So if most of the people at the top happen to be a certain race, let's call them white, yeah, there would be some systemic things that keep the people with the money keeping the money and the power, and it wouldn't matter who they were. It just happens to be mostly white people in the United States. But whoever is in power is going to have a system that keeps them in power, (laughs) right? What's the point of having power if you don't create a system that keeps you there? So I think in that sense, it does exist. Now, if you define it that way, you also have to ask yourself if it should be fixed. Because the way I defined it doesn't necessarily scream out that it needs to be fixed. Because uh, those those, uh, limitations on black people you know, rising up in this, you know, system that's a little bit rigid um, is just as hard as a white person. So for a white person who has no special advantages, they're born into a poor world, they have as many or more problems, different problems. Let's, let's just call them different problems. But they got problems too. So to imagine that it's a white versus a black problem, of course, is just looking at it um, in the least effective way. But... So I would say that you can't say systemic racism exists or doesn't exist. You just can define it any way you want, basically. But let's ask this question. Um, You know, the entire stuff we're up to right now is, uh, or what we're into, is the Black Lives Matter protests. And so the question is, do black lives matter? That's the question everybody's being asked. Now, of course, the answer is yes. Black lives matter. But... Let's, let's dig down a little bit. Let's say, let's look at it with a, just a little bit more depth, this question of Black Lives Matter, which we start, with the, we start with the position, yes. Yes. But how should you answer the question? And I've been noodling on answering it this way, because I, you know, I, I role-play in my mind what would happen if I were asked this on camera. It hasn't happened yet, I don't think. I don't think anybody's asked me while I'm being recorded, which is weird, because you'd expect it would have happened by now. But here's an answer I'm noodling with. Um, do black lives matter? Yes, absolutely. Followed by far more than white lives. Because, um, well, let's, let's dig down. So my claim is that black lives matter, and that at the moment, they matter more than white lives. Now, that's not a complaint, That's not a political position. I'm just going to be an economist. I'm just going to look at it. So we're going to break it down and say on on various levels, uh, what is the economic value of various people? Do you think this will get me canceled yet? (laughs) If I don't get canceled for this, I'm uncancelable. So we're, we're going deep this time. We're going all the way to the bottom of the well. Are you ready? 
Do you, are you brave enough to go with me? Come with me. Here it comes. How about an economic calculation? Are black lives more valuable? And again, we'll get to a, a number of dimensions, so if you're only seeing a part of this, make sure you see the rest of it, otherwise you'll see something in a context. And you could get angered if you see it in a context. If you see it in, in context, it won't bother you that much. Um, from an economic perspective, is a black life worth more than a white life? I would say yes, unambiguously. So, because economically, and here are all the reasons that a black life is worth more than a white life on average. This is just on average. We're not talking about every person compared to every other person. Just on average. Here's why. Let's say you're a Fortune 500 company. You have two candidates. One is a qualified black candidate. One is a qualified white candidate. Both equally qualified. Who, Who gets hired? Well, the black candidate will get hired almost every time because they have two benefits. They can do the job. Remember, my situation is that it's two candidates, equal qualifications. So they get a good candidate, can do the job, plus they have more diversity. And diversity does have an economic value to the big corporations who are trying to get more of it. So in an economic sense, from, let's say, a business which is putting a dollar value on a candidate, the black candidate has a higher dollar value. Would everybody agree with that? Now, this does not apply, I don't think, to small business. I think when you get down to small business, people aren't watching them as carefully. You know, there's, there's not as much pressure on some company you've never heard of than there is you know, on Apple computer or something like that. So small companies, I would say, probably are more likely to discriminate. Probably. I've never seen any data on that, but doesn't that feel feels likely? So I would say that in the small business world, it might be reversed a little bit, meaning that there may be enough racism that the black lives would matter a little bit less in that marketplace to various people who have their racist and non-racist reasons. But I'd say big companies, black lives are valued unambiguously, are valued higher than other lives because they like diversity. Um, How about in the media? Let's say there's a a big media platform, could be a news platform, could be an entertainment platform, and they have two options. One, they could have a hit show with a white host or white cast, or they could have a hit show with a black host and a black cast. Which would they select, given that both of them give them the same income? So they're both hits. And, and they both make the same amount of money, which is worth more to the platform. Well, I would say the black content, because they get, a, again, a double benefit. They want more diversity. That may bring more black viewers to their network, which is good. So I would argue that in the arts at the moment, uh, content by black artists is worth more, because society sort of valued it that way. Now, again, if you think that I'm putting any value judgments on any of this, like it's my opinion, it shouldn't be. You're not seeing anything like that. I'm just doing the math. All I'm doing is telling you values and it's subject to opinion, of course. How about um, tax-wise? One way to know how much something is worth is by looking at how the public organizes its tax system. For example, would you say that the tax system, and therefore the government, puts a high value on education. You would. 
because there's a lot of money that gets taxed and put into education. So you'd say that, that society values education. Um, we put a lot of money into the defense, so society values defense. That's embarrassing. I've got chocolate all over my, all over my arm. Um, and you would say, for example, that uh, wherever money flows, that's where society has decided that the money is better suited here, so there's more, more bang for the buck. And I would say that in that world, that black lives matter more than white lives in the tax situation. Because I, and, and again, you'd have to fact check this, but I'll bet you would find that because of the economic disparity, that money flows largely from, uh, on average, white people to, on average, people of color. And also from the Asian community to other communities as well. So the ones that are doing the best economically are paying the most taxes in dollar amount. You know, you can have your argument about percentages, but in dollar amount, the ones who have the money are paying the most. And that money is flowing away from them to another group. So this one's, this one's not as clear as that means that one group is economically more valuable. But you can see that society has a very distinct preference for transfer of wealth from white people to black people, and that that's our system as it exists. Now, there, there are lots of you know, reasons why that makes sense. I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. I'm not arguing against it. I'm not arguing against it. Somebody says you're not embarrassed. I don't know what that means in all caps. You, you can't yell at me, you're not embarrassed in all caps, because you should be embarrassed if you're yelling at me in all caps. I don't, I'm not even sure if that was for me. All right, how about socially? Are black people, uh, are black lives uh, more valuable or less valuable than white people socially? <laughs> Somebody says you're just, you're just spewing bullshit. Well, you do have a, uh, an option to disagree with me with reasons. There's enough, there's enough room in your little comment there, your little text blocks to, uh, <laughs> to make a comment. Uh, I see I'm making everybody mad, so I'm going to keep going. How about socially? I would argue that uh, this is just an observation, so I wouldn't put any, any weight behind this, but I'd be interested in your opinion. In, in my observation, black people have very much social ability to, to get into you know, white social groups, at least where I live. There would be no, no, no barrier to that whatsoever, no friction. But does it work the same way, the other way? If you were, uh, if you were white, could you easily break into an all-black social situation and feel comfortable with that? I know it would be hard. But I think it's quite easy. It's just my experience. My experience is that any black person who wanted to break into any white social group could do it effortlessly. On top of that, um, black people are one of the rare groups that have their own fetish category in porn. Now, again, I'm not going to put a value judgment on any of this. I'm just describing. Just describing. If you had an option of being your own fetish category, meaning that you would know that some portion of the public really, really wants to get with you. It's not the worst place to be. There's no, there's no fetish category for generic white people. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have that little extra thing you know, to, to be a little extra exotic. No, I, I get that 
people have their own preferences for who they want to be with. But I would argue that you could make a case, and again, this would be a little subjective, that uh, black people do have some social advantages because they can kind of go everywhere. And I've never seen any friction to it in my whole life. I've never, I've never seen anybody say, I, I don't want to be friends with somebody because they're black or anything like that. I've just never even seen it once. So I would say that socially, pretty good, or at least even. Um, do, are black lives uh, valued more than immigrant lives? I would say uh, the system of the United States would say yes. So the, um, the system of immigration, let's say that immigration continues, that explicitly values black lives in the United States, the ones that are already here, you know, the citizens, it explicitly values them higher than uh, undocumented immigrants. That's what our system does. Now, it puts everybody who's an American citizen at a higher status and greater value than anybody who doesn't have that status yet. Again, you could argue that that's good or bad. That's not my point today. I'm just explaining it. So black lives matter certainly more than uh, immigrants in terms of our system, not the way we necessarily think about it, but the, the system. How about um, if the police kill a black man at a police stop versus a white man? Which one has the most value? Now, here value is a weird construct, but there are no protests about white people being killed by police. Now, you could say, well, there's a good reason for that, Scott. Is there? (laughs) There are more white people killed by police than black people. It's not even close. So you could say it's a question of percentages, and I, I would hear that. But I also say it is a truth that there's probably no amount of white people that could ever be killed by police that would cause a protest, right? So I believe that there is actually some special value that's put on black lives. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that the amount of energy that, the, that even the white public, if you look at Antifa, you look at the character of the protesters, um, at least in the Northwest, it looks like it's more white than black. So I would say that that's a lot of white people who have put more value on black lives. At least more value in terms of what they're willing to fight for, for whatever reason. Now again, all of these are complicated. If, if, it, if I made it look as if these are clean decisions, that would be incorrect. These are really gray, overlapping sort of decisions. But when you ask, uh, do black lives matter, I would say that from the perspective of white people, the answer is unambiguously yes. It's not just yes, it's hell yes. It's hell yes economically, socially, uh, police-wise. It's hell yes in every possible sense from white people perspective. So that's why the question, I think, especially strikes us as provocative in a bad way, meaning, who are you trying to convince? Were you trying to talk me into thinking that black people have value? I didn't need to be talked into it. I, I was there. You know, there was no, con- no conversion necessary. And I think, was it uh, Hotep Jesus who said, um, when I was talking to him on his podcast, I think it was he who said that the Black Lives Matter is black people talking to themselves. Have you, have you ever thought of it that way? 
Because it, it is actually kind of perplexing why I would need to be convinced of something that I started out believing. And then his theory that it's black people convincing themselves that they matter, I think, well, you know, I can't say that. Because, you know, I don't think that would be for me to say. But I'll put it out there so you can decide if you want what you want to do with it. All right. Um, I had this weird situation this morning where I read something where I agreed with CNN and I thought I read it wrong. I had to read the sentence three times to convince myself I had read it correctly just because I had accidentally agreed with CNN. Here was the situation. So I guess some, uh, some school books are going to use the standard of capitalizing the B in black. And the Associated Press and the New York Times have already said that they'll do it. But here's the CNN uh, statement. So CNN made the same decision, except they will also capitalize white. And I read that and I thought, well, that can't be right. Because New York Times and Associated Press, if they're going to get away with just capitalizing the B in black, you would expect CNN to go the same way, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you expect them to go the same way? And I did. And then it says CNN made the same decision, but will also capitalize white. And I was going to say, hey, but you should also... Oh, wait a minute. That's exactly what they should do. That's exactly what they should do. And here was the standard I was going to suggest for myself. So I'm going to adopt... I don't think I'll be consistent with it because it's going to take me a while to make this a reflex. But I plan to adopt capitalizing the B in black whenever there's no reference to anybody else. So if nobody else is referenced in the sentence, capitalize B in black. But if, it's, if you're also talking about white people in the same sentence, I would also capitalize the W in white. Now, would I need to capitalize the W in white if I only talked about white people and there was nothing in whatever I was talking about about black? I would say that's more optional. But I would never do a situation where I'd capitalize the B and not the W in the same document. Um, I wouldn't do that. So I would agree with CNN on capitalizing both. It just keeps it clean. Just keep it clean. But then, you know, uh, don't we already, correct me if I'm wrong, don't we already capitalize Hispanic? Why don't I know the answer to that? Can somebody tell me the answer? Do we already capitalize Hispanic? And, and really, why don't I know that? Why don't I know that? I can't even picture it in my mind as to whether it's always capitalized. Hmm. Well, you'll tell me. Um, I told you the other day about the story about the uh, Sinclair local networks. There's a whole bunch of local TV news networks. They're right-leaning um, company. Uh, and they were going to run this program claiming, among other things, that Dr. Fauci was behind the coronavirus. <laughs> and that he gave it to China, they gave it to us. And, of course, that this is a highly debunked uh, thing. And I guess the public outcry was sufficient that they decided to delay it. Now, um, when they delayed it, that doesn't mean they're not going to run it. Maybe they'll run it with some extra context or something that's not known. But it's interesting that a conservative-leaning entity was going to run a bunch of content that would have been terrible for Trump. Would have been terrible for Trump. I'm seeing in the comments, people are saying that you would capitalize Caucasian and Latino. 
or is it Latinx now? Is that preferred? Uh, Indian and Asian. Well, Indian would be capitalized, of course. Asian would be capitalized because Asia is, I don't know, it's kind of... <laughs> you know, any, so one, of the, one of the commenters says, Scott the Cuck Adams. Anybody who uses that, that, that dumbass word, cuck, is, is, uh, is blocked forever. So goodbye to you. That's only being blocked for being uncreative. All right. Um, so there you have it. There's not much going on today. Um, in summary, I would say this. Systemic racism is the um, teachers' unions. The teachers' unions are overwhelmingly white, and they want less choice in schooling, and it is that less choice in schooling that makes really every bad thing that happens to black people. Now, you can't fix bad education in, in a year. You know, it's sort of a generational problem. But you could make a big difference in a year, or in a generation, not a year. So I would say if we're going to pretend that systemic racism is something we care about and, and pretend that black lives are something we care about, you shouldn't have to pretend about that, and you think that poor white lives are something that you care about, it's all the same problem. It's just the teachers' unions. Get rid of the teachers' unions, you can save the next generation. You don't, you don't. And complaining about how many people got killed by police, while we don't want to forget that problem, it's your smallest... It is really hard not to swear. Do you know how hard it is to not swear? I mean, I'm trying to do my best. I realize I'm... Uh, I realize I'm more, uh, you know, I don't get there all the time. But uh, worrying about your smallest problem, which is the number of people killed by the police, it's the smallest problem. There is no problem smaller than that in the black community, I'll bet. Now, if you happen to be the direct victim of it or your family, it's your biggest problem, duh. But in terms of the larger systemic racism, it's just, it's just the teachers' union. You fix that one thing, and you're fine. How, how hard would it be for Kanye to fix... Um, this, is a, this, this will sound crazy, but look how easy it would be. How hard would it be for Kanye to fix systemic racism in one generation? It wouldn't be hard. He could actually do it. Right? It might be the only person who could. I mean, think of another person who could. It's hard to come up with anybody. Kanye could fix it just by concentrating on working against the school unions. Now, I don't think Kanye usually is a guy who likes to oppose something. I think he's more about a positive image of things, which is why we love him. You know, he's more about make things better and you know, look at the good side. And you know, he's, he's not so much about looking backwards and, and blaming other people. That's just not his deal. We don't want it to be. But he does have the power, and if he could simply define, um, define systemic racism as whatever is wrong with the education system, I think we could do the rest. And if Kanye simply said, I'm going to endorse whoever has the best plan for schools, there we go. All right, there we go. Aren't you glad you waited for the end? Here's what Kanye could do to fix more than anybody's ever fixed. He could just say, I'm going to endorse the party 
and has the best plan for school. That's it. Just, just the one thing. Whichever party has the best plan for educating the kids who are not otherwise well-served, that's it. I'm going to give my full endorsement, full-throated, to that one thing. Because <clears throat> the other stuff, it's trivial. The one thing will just change the entire nature of the United States, make us more competitive. competitive. I mean, your education system is, drives your economic system. That drives your defense. I and mean, we're talking about national defense is completely degraded by having a poor school system that's educating people who don't have that many options. So why isn't this idea going viral? It's a really good question, and I think it has to do with this. There are so many teachers in the world. This is just a guess, by the way. And I'm gonna. This will be an example of how, if your skill stack includes more than one kind of field that you've studied, it's easier to have idea sex, as James L. Tusher has popularized that idea. But here's the idea: in the um, in the field of coronavirus and virology, you have this herd immunity issue. And you can get to herd immunity by maybe 60% of the people in the population having uh, some immunity. So you don't have to have everybody immune, you just have to have a lot of them, and that's enough to stop a virus. Likewise, somebody asked, why isn't the idea going viral of going after the teachers' unions? Because I didn't make that up, right? In fact, I'm, I'm one of the latest people to come to it, probably, because the entire conservative movement has been complaining about the teachers' unions forever. So here is my guess, my speculation about why it's so obvious what the problem is, the teachers' unions reducing competition in school. It's so obvious, and yet it's not a thing. It's not the number one thing we're talking about every day. Here's why. I believe that there are enough people who are teachers or have a teacher in their family that they don't want to rag on teachers. That's it. There's so many people connected to, in some meaningful way, a working teacher that they don't want to be pushing something that's bad for teachers because the teachers' union is trying to protect the teachers more than, more than they're trying to do other things. Case in point, my own sister, who is probably watching this right now. Hi, Cindy. Uh, <laughs> she's probably watching it right now, and she had asked me what I thought about uh, ragging on the teachers' unions when my own sister is a recently retired teacher. Did you hear the key words? Recently retired? And I told her that until she retired, I wasn't going to say this stuff. That I wasn't going to complain about teachers and teachers' unions until she was retired. And she just retired. So now I have a full, uh, f- full uh, freedom, I guess, to go after what I think is the real problem. Now think about my situation. As vocal as I am about as many things as I'm vocal about, I don't, I don't hold back too much on any topic. I held back on that because it was a personal situation in which I didn't want to you know, degrade my own sister's lifestyle. But now she's retired. I'm free. Right? Her pension's locked in. So... I think that that's it. I think there's a herd immunity toward going after the teachers' unions just because so many of us have some strong relationship with the teacher. I think that's what it is, exactly. 
So we have to somehow break that. Now, can you and I break that? No, no. I do not have the power or the influence to get through that herd immunity. Do you know who does? Kanye. <laughs> right. Like, for, for me, this is like, um, you've, you've probably watched me push over a lot of bamboo walls, you know. If you give me a soft structure, give me a little, uh, you know, drywall, I, I can punch through some drywall. But if I hit a, a concrete wall, I, you know, that, that's the end of my power. I can bang on the concrete wall all day long with my powers of persuasion, but I don't have that much horsepower. But Kanye does. Kanye could blow right through a concrete wall. Kanye could, like, bulldoze a concrete wall like it wasn't even there because he has that level of persuasion power, you know, above my own. So if he were to identify the one single biggest problem with uh, structural systemic racism, which is the teachers' unions, or simply just, you know, rather than go against somebody, it's better to say, I'm in favor of school choice. You know, I'm going to help some people develop some models of better schooling or something like that. You know, go, go the positive direction. But if he were to uh, just make a single, a single issue endorsement criteria, he would determine the next president and he would end systemic racism in one generation. So there you go. All right. Um, somebody says Black Lives Matter equals no charter schools. Incorrect. Black Lives Matter do not mind charter schools. H- hear this clearly. Black Lives Matter are not opposed to charter schools. Kind of like them. Now, the, you know, everybody's different, so I'm not speaking for everybody in Black Lives Matter. But what I've been told by a member of Black Lives Matter is that the black community kind of likes school choice. Why wouldn't they? It's obvious that they should like it. It's obvious. Um, all right, that's all for now. And I will talk to you later.